So therefore, be proud to be a decent American rather than be just a wanker whipping up fear. Because you're supposed to tackle people, you're supposed to hit people at pace and hit them hard as part of the game. It's not chess we're playing. I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Hello everybody and welcome along to chapter 85 of What's The Story podcast. My name is Danny Murray. My name is Graham Erigan. How are you, honey? I'm very good. Loving life. Yeah, yeah, I'm having a good week. Buzzing. I'm very content, I'm very happy. Um, had a good weekend. Yeah. Buzzing yeah. after the weekend. Sure, go on, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. So? Sure, sure, go on, yeah. Huh? Yeah, go on, sure. Sure. Shower? <laughs> I thought you were like, shower. Did you have a shower? Did you have a shower? Did you have a shower? Shower. Did you have a shower? Shower. You had a shower? Shower. Joe Duffy style. Did I have a shower? No. Oh, of course I had a shower. Of course I had a shower. Exactly. Graham Erdogan's personal hygiene, other than beard nits, can never be called into question. <laughs> we are coming to you from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Check out FitzpatrickCastle.com for more. They're celebrating 45 years of business. That was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, but the year, like, I mean, it was from, like, what, like, April, oh, May, May kind of, yeah, all the way May. through, you know what so I mean? So a couple of months left. So a couple of months left before they move on to 46. Hashtag Valentino Rossi style. Very good. There you go. Um, Motorsport. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a MotoGP reference for any MotoGP heads out there. Which there probably isn't. Um, there's probably plenty of them, Graham. <laughs> How very dare you. One sport that matters. Um... Yep, Six Nations time of year again. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into it. Oh, you did. You wheeled into yeah. it. <laughs> Can't walk on. Awkward. <laughs> you were saying? How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah. What's the story with um? With what? With the English player that Dylan Hartley broke his leg two oh, and a half, two and a half weeks ago. Joe Marler, this and is then incredible. Accredited um milk, milk for healing his leg and then started on Saturday. Yeah. Point of milk helps your bones. Remember that? Ad? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Joe Marler. Yeah, he had a, a fracture in his leg. He said it was full cream milk, uh, and he went on a mad one drinking milk because, as Hulk Hogan told us, you need to eat is, your vitamins is, and drink more milk. Is this the type of stuff where Paul Kimmage is having a brain hemorrhage? I don't actually know. Um, How can a hairline it's, fracture it's heal after two and a half weeks? Just bucket loads of calcium. Clearly, <laughs> <Just. like. laughs> Um, I don't know. Like Joe Marler is, a, I actually kind of like Joe Marler for being honest with you, and he's one of the, the the few English players that I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, I'd find a spot for him. With him, not the starting lineup. I don't think he's better than the Irish props, but he's still a good lad. I like Joe Marler. He's still juicing. Can we say that? I just did. You just did. I do have the power to edit that out, but I'm not <laughs> going to. Any liable there, Mister Marler? I spoke of your character in nothing but the he's utmost. In, he's in the Mo Farah list. Do you think? Yeah, hundred percent. Do you think there's many Bradley Wagons? Uh, Bradley Wagons. Bradley Wagons. <laughs> Bradley Wiggins. Do sore, I think there's? Do I sorry, think there's? Sorry, sore Bradley Wiggins. Sore Bradley Wiggins. No, I don't recognise any knighthoods around well, the world. You've just said it now, so I'll no, you can't be there. I don't recognise any knighthoods across the world. Sore Bradley Wiggins. Do I reckon? What did you say? Do I reckon? I can't remember what I was going to say. I got do distracted. I, do I reckon there's a, a few of them? Is it? Yeah, do you, like rugby in general. Do you think? Yeah, I'd have to question it. I'd have to. Um, a member of the All Blacks team that faced us in Chicago got done, got pinged recently. I can't remember his name though. Are you serious? 
Yeah, he um oh who was it? He got sent home just before the end of the tour. He's kind of cited like personal problems and family difficulties and that kind of thing. To but, juice him or recreational? Um, you wouldn't I usually have that excuse for. Uh, See, this is this is the juice him, would you? Uh, you possibly could because maybe you'd say like, look, there was pressure on me to provide, and I had to make sure that okay, I was, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I'm sure somebody has used that excuse before. Like, fair play, yeah, um, fair enough. Not that I'm excusing it. Like, he if he was cut for any sort of doping or whatever, then he was caught. Like, I've I've turned to be honest, I've turned full skeptic. Full skeptic. Oh yeah, same. I don't believe there's a clean sport in the world. Um, I think even motor racing are dirty. I mean, if you look at the Australian Open, the tennis Open, yeah, out of four finalists from the men and the women's. Uh, Federer was the only man, the only athlete on that li- on that in that finals, the both finals that yeah. wasn't on any fuzzy bear list. Was Nadal on one? Nadal, Nadal was on the fuzzy. Was it fuzzy bears? Uh, no, the ah, um, oh, what were they called? Something bears. The Russian lads. Yeah, the Russian hackers. The something. The bears. Williams sisters were on it. Yeah, and Nadal was on it. All for TUI. I, I didn't know. I didn't know Nadal was on it. But Roger mm. Federer looks like the type of man. You'd sit down and have a cup of tea with and talk about your favourite soaps. But there's only one good favourite soap. And what's that? Fair City. Right then. Would you say what is Fair City? I'd say he's never even heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has that uh, he has that gentleman look, doesn't he? He does, yeah. Like you wouldn't I don't I can't see myself calling points for him. No. You know what the, I mean? I, like I don't get into tennis that much. I used to always years ago. Yeah. Um, but no tennis. Um, sometimes um, I'd watch it. Yeah, no, like wouldn't go. I wouldn't seek it out. Like, yeah, there was, was people. Say, if I was flicking through the channels, for example, and a bit of tennis was on, and I knew there was nothing else on, I'd leave it be. Yeah, but I wouldn't sit there. Like even when Wimbledon's on, I wouldn't sit there and be like, "Whoop, Wimbledon's on." I better watch that now. I used to when I was in school. Yeah. As an adult, I don't think I watched much tennis. No. I watched the Nadal Federer Wimbledon final. I think from twenty ten, possibly. That was a great final. I went down to about seven or eight in the on the Sunday evening. I ah, see that would annoy me. <laughs> I think any sporting event that, that goes was, that, on. That's probably the last tennis match I watched. Any sporting event I think that goes on for longer than sort of three four hours, you need to get out. <laughs> Just stop now, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you can't make plans like like American football. And baseball infuriate me. Really? Baseball? Yeah, baseball. Because, like, nobody nobody knows when baseball's actually finishing. There's still some fella there who decides, ah, oh, it's dragging on a bit. It's getting dark. It's getting dark. Quick, let's end it. Really? Is that um, not cricket? Could be both. <laughs> like, I mean, like, cricket and baseball are essentially the same. <laughs> Just one's posh and one's got beer. You know? Well, actually, no. In fairness, cricket lads love a bit of beer now, don't they? You went, we went on a tangent there. We did, from, yeah. And I don't know anything about baseball. From so. uh, alleged juicers. Alleged juicers. I'm just a skeptic. I'm a skeptic about everything except skeptic Irish about rugby. everything. How very dare you? <laughs> except Irish rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in the news this week, in, in terms of Irish rugby, other than the Six Nations, which I can't really talk about because we lost to Scotland and we're recording this before we play Italy away. But you just have talked about it. I have. Um, we do so. what we want, man. But anyway, um, it's school's cup time of year, which for an awful lot of people means absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, I'm glad you said I that. I do, and I acknowledge that, because it's an elitist uh, competition. Um, but for people who go to the elitist schools, it is a massive competition. 
and uh, the Junior Cup in particular, the Munster Junior Cup, the game had to be abandoned after three players on the same team all had concussion. No way. Two of them went to hospital. I can't remember what happened to the third one. Well, now, at the time of recording this, it's on the same day that this happened, so I don't know what the aftermath is yet. Right. But uh, well, just the amount we've talked about concussion on this before and the amount that I've said about I have concerns about rugby. Yeah. And there you have a semi-final of a schools match. Lads, we're not talking about professionals. We're not talking about adults here. We're talking about juniors. So, 15, 16 years of age. Three lads, same team, one match, all concussed. Two of them in hospital today, as we're recording this. Crazy. Um, <sighs> yeah, rugby. Breaking my balls, rugby. <laughs> I was going to say, your poor heart. I went to um, OTT Wrestling on Saturday. OTT. 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 That was in the Tivoli. Tivoli Theatre, Irish promotion. Irish promotion, over-the-top wrestling. If anyone was a fan of the Attitude Era, in WWF at the time, yeah, and um, then WWE. Uh, uh, we we had Angus Oak McAnally on the podcast yeah. before. Who he's a commentator is, yeah. for OTT. Um, I'd strongly recommend. It's great value. It's yeah. a good night out. Um, former UFC fighter Matt Riddle um, is now a yeah. pro wrestler. He was on the card and he was absolutely sensational. Yeah. Um, Session Matt Martina gave me a little bit of a lap dance, uh, which I enjoyed. Dirt. On our way to the ring, um, but now it's it's great. They have their equivalent of uh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania coming up in the national Scrapper Mania, Scrapper Mania three, Beautiful. which is coming up. Um, for a wrestling fans, kind of in the know, it's a huge, huge card um, with the biggest indie stars yeah. in the world coming to the national stadium, and the tickets go on sale this week. They're on sale as this goes out. But come here to me, you, you know it's fake, right? Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's orchestrated, but. It's fake. It's theatre. It's fake. It's art. It's fake. I'd say they're all on drugs as well, are they? I don't know. Just trying to antagonise you now. Don't antagonise me. <laughs> I'm having a good day. I, I take back the fake comments, by the way. It's predetermined and everybody knows that, but the stuff that you see in the ring is obviously very, very real. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and friend of the show, Adam Burke, of course, teamed up with Ross Brown. Um, and the rubber bandits, wasn't it? Yeah, at OTT over in Gal- the Galway Comedy Festival last yeah. year. But so, this, this this has never happened in Ireland. Like, I mean, that not, like a, not a, that we were crying out for it uh, as kids. Not for we were crying out for a promotion. You know, we were crying out for WWE to come no, over more often. It's a good success story. Though. It's a huge success story. Yeah. I mean, they're selling out every month. And I just hope that this national stadium show sells well, out. Wasn't that one of the stories in the paper or something? They were like... Um, Forget about Ed Sheeran, the hottest tickets in town is actually an order for wrestling promotion. Yeah, that's sold out sold in four minutes. Th- yeah, I was going to say three minutes. Like They sold they sold out under three or four minutes their yeah. VIP packages. Yeah, and they're um, usually the most expensive ones. Yeah. I mean, look at Jesus U2. You can still buy them if you want to part away with like six and a half million. <laughs> yeah, six and a half million. Meryl's have to buy me two tickets. Yeah. Six no, and a half million, like. In relation to OTT. You very have to good. come along to a show. I will come along to a show. I would have went along with you because you very, very kindly offered me a ticket. Mm. Which um, we ended up uh, Which, which we, we gave away on the Twitter. Um, there was another thing, actually. Uh, what was I going with? Oh, sorry, I would have went, but I had a wedding. Oh, you went again. to a wedding. I did. Um, Weddings are great. Congratulations. I don't to, like wedding hangovers, though. Oh, I'm still feeling it. <laughs> I brought a hip flask. Oh, God. Good yeah. During the mass? Well, it was a humanist ceremony. It's actually very nice. What? Uh, that's how. Uh, what? It wasn't. It wasn't a church one. It was. Um, 
Oh, very good. You don't but it was like the, the, the ceremony. That's that why people, the, the hipsters are going now these days, isn't it? Well, it was the way I'd probably go, if I'm yeah. being honest with you. Yeah, I'd rather have some chap I'd in go a suit. I'd go to humanist as yeah. well. I'd have some chap in a suit have to crack at me rather than some chap in a collar telling me what I can and can't do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so con- congratulations to the new Mr. and Mrs. Murphy, Tomo and Claire. Great people, great wedding. Everybody had to crack. Um, there may be footage on their wedding video of me hitting a hip flask. I'm not sorry. And I did it again. I thought you were going to say hitting the slow drop. Yeah, I've done a couple of them as well. <laughs> I mean, knees and bits from it. <laughs> um, listen, man, if, if any band is going to play Toto Africa. Oh, what a song. I'm telling you now, I'll, I'll hear that song from miles away. Can I recommend for you uh, to watch something? You can. Sky Arts are doing these um, 30 minute dramas. Right. And it's Urban Myths. Right. So. They had one and they had to get they had to pull it because it was about Michael Jackson, um, Elizabeth oh, Taylor. Oh yeah, and your man Foyens was the the the, the, the guy playing Jacko in it. Yeah, yeah, I heard and about this. Jacko's daughter said it was disgusting and disgraceful. They had had a white man playing Michael Jackson, so Sky pulled it. But he 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 was white. Yeah, by Sky, the end of it all, Sky pulled it. But Oi. the other there was a, two or three other ones. Yeah, and one of them I watched on Sunday. Um, it was about Andre the Giant and Andre the Giant's relationship with Irish poet Samuel Beckett. It's really? brilliant. It's 30 minutes. Now, I, I heard about this uh, friendship for years. Like, yeah. I've heard about it years ago, but Sky randomly have put up put a drama um, of their friendship. I might try to check that out on the Sky player. Yeah, it's on the Sky player. It's brilliant. It's on Sky Art. It's excellent. Um, anyway, what do you say we roll on to our guest and stop you. this rambling who's our guest well he is the one and only Bert Watson we're joined now by a man who is uh, respected by pretty much everybody in the fight game industry um, he's recently signed up to Alliance MMA and a lot of people recognise him from his UFC days as well but he's also been involved in boxing for years over 30 years of a career in like fighting <laughs> just Unbelievable, man. Yeah. Bert Watson. Bert Watson. <laughs> man, you just, made me sound, you just made me sound like a real old man, baby. <laughs> You're like a fine wine, Bert. Like a fine wine, but, Bert, but, yeah. You know, but that's okay, because you don't get old being no fool, baby. <laughs> Bert, how the hell are you, man? Are you keeping well? Man, you know, I, I can't complain. Uh, things, things are... A good. I'm, uh, every day is a blessed day to be alive and 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 to be active and you know and 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 to be relevant. So every day is a blessing, man. Uh, I'm still working. Maybe maybe not traveling as much as I used to, but uh, still uh, uh, being pretty active. Have has had some great luck. Uh, you know, running into some good people and some good opportunities come my way, and uh, you know, I'm I'm still rolling, baby. Still rolling. <laughs> um, like we we said there, and and kind of not to make you feel old, man, but over thirty years of a career and working with names like Joe Fraser, Muhammad Ali, yes. Mike Tyson, yes, uh, Riddick Bow, like you've worked with the best of the best, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've 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 been fortunate. Enough to to have, you know, uh, been graced to be in in, in the company and the presence uh, uh, of those those guys and the, the the guys that you've just named and you know it's 
The one thing I've always said is that history has a way of making you a part of it without you even asking. It, history just does it. It just makes you a part and just makes you a part of history. And I had no idea as I was coming along and as I was going along, the history that was around me, that I was involved with. You know, uh, I had a job and I had a job to do and I was blessed to be around guys at the highest level, and one job led to another, and one person led to another. And, you know, in, in, in boxing, back in the day when I, when I started with Joe Frazier, you know, it was, a, it was uh, it, the fraternity was as small as it was big. But when you got in it and, and you worked, and you got in it and you worked on the, on, on the promotion and the coordinating aspect of it like I did, if you did a good job, your name got passed around. Your work record got passed around. So ultimately, that's how you got your jobs. Very, you know, people didn't list ads in the newspaper for for uh, fight coordinators and site coordinators, but it was handed down word of mouth. So I literally got passed around from fight to fight, person to person, and ultimately, you know, starting with Joe Frazier and. Lucky enough to, 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 you know, Joe and I were friends, and I eventually became his manager, moved to Philadelphia, uh, and I was with Joe until 1996 or so. Wow. But during the course of that time with Joe, you know, uh, uh, I got to, meet, uh, got to meet and got to work with Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, Ken Norton, Larry Holmes, uh, uh, and, and I got to do a video project with those five guys called Champions Forever, which uh, Reggie Jackson, the baseball player, was one of the narrators. And that project, Champions Forever, was a video project of those five guys and the fights they had between each other. And I got to travel three years on that video project with those guys and get got to know them better got to become closer, acquainted with them. And ultimately, in working with those guys and traveling, I got to meet other promoters and other fighters. And eventually, you know, I got to know and ran into Don King and Bob Arum and Lou Duva and Cedric Kushner and, 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 and main events, uh, Mike Akery. Uh, and with those relationships, I got to coordinate and work with Mike Tyson, Oscar De La Hoya, Roy Jones, Vinny Pazienza, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Macho Camacho, Julio Cesar Chavez. Boy, I'm throwing names out like it's gumballs or Skittles, ain't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you, you know, I, I throw those names out because now they're, they're, you know, honestly, they're people that I have worked with and have done. I did Mike Tyson's last. I'd say last five fights. I think I think the last five. The first fight I did with Mike Tyson, Don King was in New Jersey and had problems. I don't know exactly what the problems were in New Jersey, but he had to move the fight out of New Jersey. And he didn't want to move it too far because I think he had already sold a certain amount of tickets. So he moved the fight from New Jersey to Philadelphia, which was about an hour drive, an hour and 20-minute drive between the two. 
and he moved the fight to Philadelphia, and somehow he got my name from somebody, and one thing led to another, and I got a phone call to work as a coordinator. And it was Mike Tyson against Buster Douglas, Buster Douglas Jr. And that was the first fight that I worked with Mike Tyson. Wow. Uh, from that point, working on that fight, I, I eventually, as time went on, I ended up doing five to six of Mike Tyson's. You know, I, I, I actually did his last five. Uh, unfortunately, the last five, uh, I think out of the last five, he might have lost three of them. Uh, and I did the last one where he fought uh, the young man, and I forgot it. Actually, the guy was from Ireland. That's right, Jim. And I fought him, and I'm, I fought him. Mike fought him in Washington, D.C., and I did that fight. And for the, the, the guy, the gentleman's name escapes me right now. But, you know, I did that, and I did the one where he fought Lou Savarese. Uh, uh, I did the one where he fought the guy Williams, who was from England. Mm. I, I I did that one, and uh, you know I did I I did that, and the only fighter that I never really worked with was Lennox Lewis. He's the only one that, if you threw a bunch of names out, that I didn't work with was Lennox Lewis. I did I did uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's last fight of his career when he retired and came back and fought. Camacho. Camacho knocked him out, I think, in the first round. I did that fight and traveled with Macho and Ray for about six months on a, you know, a whirlwind tour for that fight. I got close to Roberto Duran, you know, good friend. I did a couple of his fights. I actually, you know, and I'm I'm rattling, but I'm I'm thinking and remembering history as we go along, fellas. It's it's all good, I man. <laughs> actually, I actually had a guy named Mike Akery came to me uh, and said, you know what, you know, uh, uh, I had just done his fight, which was, I think it was Arturo Gaddy, uh, maybe against De La Hoya, one, or, but I had just done that fight for him, and he said, listen, I'm getting ready to get this this girl, and I'm going to make her pro debut, and I want you to do the fight, and it was Layla Ali. Well, wow. I did Layla Ali's pro debut. Layla Ali was 25 and, oh, I think I did 23 of her fights. Wow. I actually did the fight in 2008 between Layla Ali and Joe Frazier's daughter. That's I, mental. That, with me, I came full circle. I was going to say, how... From Joe and Muhammad to the daughters fighting each other. How was and that for Joe you? Joe and Muhammad... Huh? How was that for you, Ward? Coming full circle, doing that, like going from working with their dad, both legends of the sport, to then being there to witness their daughters go toe to toe. It was surreal. It was surreal because it was. I mean, that's something you never expect, you know. And 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 it it it, it was was also a testament to my longevity that I'd been around that long. But the the fact that. You know, and what was, was surreal, when we did the press conference, you had you had Muhammad Ali's daughter, you had Layla Ali and Jackie Frazier Lyde sitting on a podium, and I swear, man, it looked like their dads. It was Incredible. like standing at the end of the, of, of the podium looking at their dads. That, that's how surreal it was. But I did that fight between those two girls, and the dads came to the fight, and, you know, and, and that was, that was kind of... Uh, a testament to staying in the business and doing a good job and people giving you work and 
asking you to do work and depending on the work you do and relying on the work you do and appreciating the work that you do. Uh, the last, I think the last professional boxers that I worked with was the Klitschko brothers. Well, and, and I did for each one of them, I think I did maybe, maybe five or six fights for each one of them. I worked, I worked with the Klitschko brothers until I think maybe 2010 or so, I think, or 2009, because at that, at that point when I was, cause I started with the UFC in 2001 and Dana was still allowing me to do boxing as long as I didn't do MMA. Yeah. Uh, so, and I had, and the boxing clients that I had, you know, he let me keep them. But it got to a point where the the, the dates started to hit heads, baby. <laughs> they started clashing. <laughs> and you had to you pick know, one. Klitschko, oh, oh, you know what? And, 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 and truthfully, with boxing, guys would come to you and say, Bert, I got a fight. Uh, now, now, right now, this is we're in the month of of February. He say, "Oh, I got a fight June tenth. Well, June seventh, that fight might get canceled." Yeah. But that was the nature of boxing. You know, they'd give you a date, they and 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 the you know you crossed your fingers that it happened. Bert, when I got my dates from the UFC, they happened. So when I got a schedule, and they kind of scheduled me out a little further, then when the, when the Klitschko brothers came to me, back to me, with the date, I was already booked. And I had to say to them, uh, I'm, I'm booked. And they say, well, you're, you're booked for that the UFC. You know, I mean, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've been But the thing was that, you know, they kept canceling. They kept having dates and canceling and you know, I, I, I had to make a living. Yeah. So ultimately, you know what? The Klitschko brothers said, well, you know, we can't, we got we to gotta go with somebody we can depend on. And my thing was, well, you got to do what you got to do, baby. <laughs> Bert, and just, that was, sorry, uh, Bert. And just, it went on from there. Just, just um, for our listeners that might not know, in terms of the yourself coordinating um, big time fights in the boxing world or in the MMA world, just kind of explain what what happens like when you when you say that the Klitschko's called you to coordinate their fight or uh, you worked along alongside Joe Fraser. G give us an idea of what fight week is like. Well, when when you coordinate, when you work as a coordinator, you know, and now. Things have gotten a little bigger and 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 departmentalized, and you know the sport has gotten bigger. But you know when I initially started as a coordinator, started working, you know I initially made a, a, a promoter would set the fight up. Once he set the fight up and he had an agreement with the guys, I would I would take over from getting the contract signed, bringing the contract back to the promoter, going out. And, and looking and, and, and searching for the venue with someone. Once we got the venue, then I'd search for the hotel. Then I'd kind of create how many hotel rooms we needed. Uh, once we got the hotel room, uh, I would create a place for training, a place for them to work out, a place for the press conference, a place to do open workouts, a place for the fighters to entertain themselves or go out or 
buy food or go grocery shopping or buy whatever special foods uh, to find a fitness center. You do all those things in groundwork before anybody even gets to the hotel. And once I've had all those things in place, then I would sit down and start doing, doing hotel, hotel rooms. I'd go to a hotel and negotiate uh, a, a, a rate, negotiate a certain amount of rooms or a certain amount of room nights, you know. And, and normal, normally I'd say anywhere from 25 to 100 rooms, you know, or, or 300 to 720 room nights or however that equated. Once you had that in, then you would go about creating a rooming list, creating a rooming list and putting a rooming list together. Once you had that together, then you went and you worked with a travel agent on their travel. You would coordinate everybody's travel, the, 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 the fighters, the cornermen, the cutmen, the referees, the judges, you know, the, anybody that, that, that you hired to work within that week, that's who you, who you flew in. Then once you brought them in, then you had to coordinate picking them up at the airport, okay? And the coordination of where it made sense, the coordination of where you didn't run yourself to death, but you didn't miss anybody, (laughs) you know? I'm also a former Marine, you know? I I served my time in the Marine Corps, and I don't believe Marines never leave anybody behind, baby. (laughs) So, you know, if I got you... I'm going to get you. <laughs> so picking everybody up at the airport and get them in their room, and then once you get them in the room, then, you know, once you sit and you create a, 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 a rooming list for a hotel, you have to make sure, you know, if you and I were fighting each other, I had to make sure that your room wasn't next to mine. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And if I, know you, if I know you didn't like me, I had to make sure your room wasn't on the same floor as mine. God, you know? crazy, but, yeah. But those are things that you had to, you know, go through and, you know, making sure that the, the temperature is right, the rooms are right, the facilities are right. Uh, logistically, you can get from one place to another without it being a hassle, you know, coordinating all the travel. And then once you did that, then you go to the venue. You go to the venue and you look at the space, you allocate the space, you create the space. You know the space that you need. You know the dressing rooms that you need. You know the amount of dressing rooms that you need. You create all that, and you create with the venue uh, arrival time of the ring or the cage, where they're going to park, where they're going to dock it, if they got to leave it, if it's a daily transport, if you got equipment coming. Uh, you get to know all of the primary people at the facility, whatever the venue is, because you don't want stuff going there and getting lost, and you don't know and they don't know you, because uh, you got a lot of tentacles going in and out, you know, and you get all that in order, and then you then you check out the security of the building and the seating of the building and the heating in the building and, you know, all of those things. And all of those things that I just named are things that I – involved myself in or involved as a coordinator during the course of an event. And the final night or the final task that I had to do was to make sure the fighters either made weight, got where they were supposed to be, got in got in that cage or that ring when they were supposed to, got out safe, back on the plane, home, and everybody's safe and healthy. 
So when that's mental, uh, Bert. That's when, crazy. When they call you babysitter to the stars, Bert, it's from that description. That's why, obviously, that is man. That's some workload, even for a former money, and that is some workload. It, 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 it. You know, it, 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 it is, and it was, and as I went along, you know, you started realizing it, but it became so routine. And the one thing that I was always very blessed with was that I never had a promoter hire me or bring me on and try to tell me what to do or how to do my job. I was always fortunate enough when Butch Lewis and Michael Spinks hired me, you know, to do Michael Spinks' fight. It was, you know what, you come on and do what you do the way you do it, baby. When Don King hired me, same thing. Don King, of all people. Bert, you do what you do the way you do it and get it done. As long as you get it done. And it went on down the line with, with Lou Duver and main events and Bob Arum and Cedric Kushner and it went on. And the same thing, I did a fight in Vegas. And I'm thinking it was Kostya Zoo and Zab Judah. I'm thinking. It was either that or, or Turo Gaddy. It was some, one of the fights, but... The promoter hired me as a coordinator, and I'm working, doing the fight. The promoter comes to me and says, listen, I got this guy that's starting this organization that wants to bring on somebody and needs good people, and I think you two need to talk. Well, he brought that person in for the weigh-in, and that person was Dana White. He introduced me to Dana. We had a conversation, and we talked. And this was in, like, November of 2000, and we talked, and, you know, Dana said, well, you know, he was having a, uh, uh, he was going to create a situation for this organization, MMA. I had no idea about MMA, none. But he needed a coordinator. My thing was, you pay me and you respect me, you got me. And I'll do the job. And he said, listen, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something probably you know, the first of the year. Well, that was in November. I think I got a call from him in January saying, I got to fight next month or so. I was available, and I was ready to roll, baby. (laughs) And even then, the very first thing that he did was, you do what you do, and let's get it done. And that's just what I did. That's amazing. And that was UFC 30, in 2001. Wow. Does anything ever go, go wrong, Bert? Uh, I have had to pull some things back in. I'm not going to say anything went wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to fess up to that. But I've, 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 had, I've had to switch gears on a few things. And I, I had there were trial by error. And I had things happen as we went along. You know, you only know how good things are when you have to perfect them. And you never know how much you don't know until you need to know it. Yeah. You get that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as I went along, when things kind of went to the left or went to the right, and I had to pull it back in, I learned from that. I learned how to do it. I learned how not to do it. I learned what was good to do. But most, most importantly, I always wanted to make sure that every fighter that I touched or got close to had a comfort level that they were treated like somebody and that they meant something. 
I made I made a promise to myself that I was going to do that no matter what, and that was my goal. So everything I did, I did with the fighters in the camps and those boys in mind. They were my children, and I did that. I reached out and I tried to touch every one of them, and you know that that it it it, it kind of worked because. I've 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 still got some good relationships and good friends and I'm still making you know got good relationships with the fighters that I'm working with now and you know I appreciate that baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's a testament as well because I know like a lot of the fighters um would still talk quite fondly of you or I remember seeing George Saint Pierre and um, talking about you and even doing kind of an impression of your catchphrase uh, we rolling. And kind of the, the, the affection that they had for you, man. But it's that, that energy that you bring to it, and I suppose that's another reason why fans um, love you. I, I remember I went to I went to I was lucky enough to go to a number of UFC events, but I went to one mm. in Wembley, um, Wembley Arena, and um, the the hotel that was beside the arena. A lot of the fighters were staying there. We happened to be staying there as well, and I can remember like Michael Bisbing was there, Dennis Seaver was there. Um, Hainan Burrell, who was um, fighting for the title, was there. And I can remember my brother standing there and not wanting to get a photo with them, but wanting to get a photo with you, Bert. So, <laughs> there you go, man. So, you definitely had that appeal with people anyway. Um, how, how, when you hear guys like sort of George St. Pierre or big names like that, having that sort of respect for you, that obviously means a lot to you, I'd say. Well, it's. The, the the fighters themselves and, and the corners, you know, be it boxing, be it MMA, there's a fraternity. There's a group and a fraternity that very few people get into. And they kind of allowed me and brought me into that fraternity. And, I, you know, it was it, it, it's an overwhelming feeling and it's a blessed feeling. But... It's always, it was always my, as I said, my goal to take care of them, but to respect them. You know what I, I used to say to the guys? I'm going to tell you something. I can mess with you, but I'm never going to let anybody else mess with you. We're going to do it one way. I'm not saying we're not going to do it your way, but we're going to do it one way. Now, you figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Board and, but, and, sorry, go ahead. But I can tell you, I said, but I can tell you, you know, just give it to me and I'll take care of it. I got you and ain't nobody else going to get you. But we got to do it together. And that's how we did it. Without, without naming names, Sam, was there ever anybody who came to you with, with a, a weird request or a request that you kind of went, hang on, I have to think about this for a minute? And every time, every time they came to me, there was, <laughs> there was there was a couple of times I had to scratch my head and look at them and say, "Wait a minute, let me have that one more time," you know. And it, I mean, you know, most of the fighters that I worked with were twice as young as I was. They were kids, you know. When I met George St. Pierre, he was a child, a kid. When I met even Randy Couture and, and Chuck Liddell, you know, these were these were young, these were young, vibrant men you know, who were athletes. And, you know, you had a lot of testosterone going all over the place, you know. So you had to you had to pull them in. There were certain things every time, you know, you had to say, whoa, 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 you know. 
you gotta you gotta slow that down a little bit, son. You can't do that. I remember a story with, uh, and I can say this because I just told us about him. Michael Bisbeck came in, you know, the very first time he came in, and I met him, and he came in and he had a, he had a, a couple of people with him. They went out in the course of the night and kind of went out to the, you know, went out to the club and enjoyed themselves a little bit. And he came back in and he had quite a, he had like maybe four or five cornermen with him. He wanted to take him up. He was going to take take him up to his room, and you know he wasn't going to get another room. He was going to put him in the same room. So then he got upstairs, and then he he noticed that you know he had two beds. So he said, you know what? Maybe we should call down and order another bed. So he calls down, and I think they charged him like they wanted to charge him like thirty, forty, fifty dollars to bring another extra bed in the room. So he figures, I guess he figures, oh, what the hell? I'll go downstairs and get the mats out of the workout room. And bring him upstairs and put him in his room. So I just happened to be downstairs checking my workout room before I went to bed. I walked past the room and I'm, I can hear the struggling and the scuffling. When I look, all I could see was the mats walking down the hall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw I saw three of my mats with legs. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, where the hell are y'all going? And I saw the match turn around, and they just looked at me. And I said, you have got to be crazy. <laughs> they just looked at me, you know. And at that point, the look they had on their face. So I said, you know what? i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn around. And when I turn around, you better be gone. But when I come back down here tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock, that match better be in that room. And guess what? The mats are in they the room. They were in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were in there and they turned around and they went they went off, you know. <laughs> but you know, things like that with the with the guys, you know, I mean I I I can't mention mention this person's name, but you know, there was a time I was out there at at an event and went to, to do the dressing rooms. I do the dressing rooms six to seven o'clock in the morning and I'm out doing the dressing rooms and come back into the hotel and I'm true story come back into a revolving door and when I walk into the hotel in the revolving door here's my fighter and two guys going out the revolving door and I'm wondering where the hell is this fighter going early in the morning so I kept going behind them when I got outside the revolving door these two guys had my fighter in handcuffs oh well taking him to jail (laughs) (laughs) And, and this was the day of the fight I'm like, oh, no, this can't be right. You know what? And I had to do whatever I could do to try to defuse that situation. Well, wow. uh, it was not a, not, a, not, a, not a good situation. But, you know, at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, I, you know, I saw it and I had to double take. I said, no, that cannot be happening. Yeah, it was happening, you know, and I had to. That's my first time in Minneapolis. I got stuck in an elevator for two hours and 40 minutes with B.J. Penn and four of his brothers. <laughs> two, two hours and 40 minutes. True story. Dreamy. And I'm afraid of heights. And one of his brothers was claustrophobic. And one of the guys, you know, and there's six of us in an elevator in Minneapolis. And I think, it, I think that was the Brock Lesnar fight, I think, maybe. But uh, two hours and 40 minutes. Stuck in the elevator. And uh, Bert, just going Not, back, 
just going back to um, you said you were on the, uh, the 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 world tour with Ali and Fraser and and Foreman. That must yeah. have been uh, just looking back now with the history of that, and that must have been some experience. That was unbelievable. You know, just just the fact of being with those five guys at one time and seeing all the history and reliving all the history. And every place we went, you relived all the history because the media made you relive it because of the questions they asked and the throngs of media uh, and the places. You know, I mean, we did – that was an international tour because we did a tour. We went to London and we went to to Asia and we did did, – Stops here in the States. I got to meet Lady Di uh, and her husband. At the time, she was, you know, she was alive. Uh, when when Nelson Mandela got out, of, got out of prison, the first thing he wanted to do was to, he was a boxer, and he wanted to meet Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali. And because of that tour and bringing everybody back and the popularity that these guys had, Somehow his people called us, and Joe and I got in the car and drove to New York and was downstairs in the, in the United Nations building one-on-one with Nelson Mandela. Oh, my and God. The belt, and the belt that Joe had won when he fought Muhammad Ali on March 8th of 1971. That's incredible. Uh, so it, it was un- unbelievable to the people that I got to meet and the places that we got to go and to get to know George Foreman and his family and Larry Holmes and you know Ken Ken Norton, you know, it, 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 you know to get to know those those guys and their families, yeah, that was that was pretty surreal. It was unbelievable. Uh, and but just with Joe Fraser, because you, you you said you had a relationship with him that lasted all the way up into the the, the mid to late nineties as his manager and everything. Yes. You started with Joe. How how did you initially get the, the, the break, so to speak? How did, how did the first gig come to be? You know, when Joe fought Muhammad Ali, uh, March 8th, 1971, during that time, I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps and had just moved to New York. And Joe was in New York. There was a car accident. And the traffic had stopped. And I'm walking along the traffic and getting to a light where the traffic had stopped and you had to go around a car to get across the street. Well, right there was a limo stuck in the traffic, couldn't get out. Who steps out but smoking Joe Fraser? And, I, you know, I'm a little stunned because I didn't realize that that – I knew it was him but didn't real, you know, what the heck is Joe Fraser doing out here and, you know – the fight happened and all that. Well, long story short, you know, I said hello. He said hello back. We started talking because they couldn't move because of the traffic. And, you know, we're standing there talking, and the people weren't coming and rushing for autographs because we're standing there and we're talking. Well, from that point on, we stayed communicating. Uh, and for the life of me now, I'm thinking and wondering, how the heck did we do that? There were no such things as cell phones. There was no <laughs> way of keeping, like today, you, you know, with social media, like I'm on this phone call with you guys yeah. 
30 gazillion miles across the water. <laughs> uh, you know, but back in the day, there wasn't that kind of thing. But we stayed and kept communications and kept touching. You know, and it just, we stayed that way and went on through his fight career. And, you know, he had his group of people with him. And I was an outsider, an outside person that was just an acquaintance. And in the early 80s, when he decided, I think his last fight was 1981 with Jumbo Cummins, I moved to Philadelphia. And we started communicating back and forth, and I started working with him. He was at a point where he said, you know, the people that were around him or were with him, you know, they started either leaving or he started getting rid of them. And, you know, the thing then was him making a living off of his name. Well, that wasn't very hard to do with a name like Smoking Joe Frazier. (laughs) But he still needed somebody to manage it and somebody to trust to work with it. And that's when he gave it to me. He brought, he, he said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to let you do this. But that was a little subtle because we started hanging out then. And we were going out and going to different places. And people would get around him for autographs and ask him certain questions. And I'd be with him, and he'd pull me in front of him. Uh, Ask him. uh, Ask him. uh, 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 Give him your information. Give him your – and the next thing, you know, it went from give him your information to here, here's my manager. Give it to him. Give it to him. And it evolved like that. And – it went on like that, and it was just Joe and I. We never had, like, massive security people or, or, or people around us when we traveled or went out of town or did a personal appearance. It was just him and I. Now, most people knew me. Some people didn't know me. Some people knew me as his manager, but who didn't and saw me with him figured I was a bodyguard of security. <laughs> you know, I guess they said, well, I don't know what that little man might have, but I'm not going to test him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they really did. But it was never, you know, security and thongs of people with us. It was it was him and I. And it was that way until I, I said, I think, 1996 or so yeah. when I I left Joe. But. Being with Joe and, and and being around him and traveling with Joe exposed me to people I would have never met in my life. You know, I mean, like I said, Nelson Mandela and, you know, Lady Di and the, and the Queen and, 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 and here in the States, you know, with David Letterman and Garth Brooks and Madonna and uh, Mickey Rourke, you know, and Sherman Hemsley. You know, I would have never met those people. <laughs> you know, just and Muhammad out of Ali, my own, but being, uh, Muhammad Ali or, or or George Foreman, never. <clears throat> but my relationship with Joe and you know that whole Joe Fraser gave me an opportunity that no one else probably would have. Uh, but that also was the person that Joe was. Joe was always just plain old Joe. He was always that person. He was always, I mean, Joe and I would, would go around Philly, you know, and instead of going to, going to the, the, the upscale nightclubs, you know, where all the superstars and the, the superstar athletes and celebrities hung out, 
Joe and I went, Joe wanted to go in the hood, <laughs> local tavern, okay? You know, go sit on the stool, and the guy sitting next to him would look and would pass out because he figured he was so drunk. But it was. And, and you know, that's where we would walk into a place, and the people was, would look and do a double take and like, oh, no, no way, no way. You know what? And that's where we had a good time. He enjoyed himself. The people enjoyed him, you know, and, you know, we did that. And, and there's not a person we met that Joe didn't just relate to them as just plain old Joe, just smoke. That's what he called himself. And that's just, the, that's just the way he carried himself through the streets of Philadelphia, wherever we went. And it was, you know, it, it was refreshing to see that. And I enjoyed it because Joe came from a small town in Buford, South Carolina. And literally 15 minutes from where my family comes from in South Carolina. And that's all we knew was being good and humble to people and, and, and being cordial to people. And that's, that was just what everybody got, and that was the person that he was. 100% pay me. It's amazing. That, that's a, a great um, sort of tale and, and, and recollection of it all. Um, but also, to, to jump forward and jump to, to present day, you're now involved with Alliance MMA. Um, tell us a bit about what you're doing there, because it's slightly different to what you've been doing for the last thirty odd years. <laughs> well, it, 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 you know, it's 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 actually not as different. It's a continuation, and as I said, it's good for me to still be relevant. Well, when I left when I left the UFC, I start I, I was you know for the first four months or five months or so, I was I wasn't answering my phone. I wasn't I wasn't answering anybody because. The smoke was swirling. You know, the media had its twist on things and everything was going, you know, left to right and haywire. And, and, and I didn't, until I started hearing Ronda Rousey was blamed for me leaving and Mark Munoz was blamed for me leaving, and none of that was true, then I decided to know that I needed to address it to get out exactly what had originally happened. And so I started answering phones and answering phone calls, and eventually I got a phone I got a Facebook message from a gentleman by the name of Rob, Rob Haydack, who works with Cage Fury Fighting Championships, CFFC. He brought me on and said, listen, you know, you, you're here in Philly. It was a regional promotion. You're here in Philly, and we're looking to do some things later on down the line, and I'd be interested to, to have you work with us. Well, you know, I thought I was done, and I said to him, you know what? What I'll do, I'll come to one of your events. I'll sit and I'll watch and, and I'll, you know, see where we are and I'll make a decision from there. Well, I went to that, that event. I ended up in the back dressing room yelling, we rolling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I was supposed to be there to watch it. And, well, that didn't work. So I ended up with Cage Fury and eventually – they went on and finally got together with a group of guys, Rob Haydack, Mike Constantino, a gentleman named Joe Gambrelli. They got together and organized an organization, a publicly traded company. Uh, they decided, you know, we're going to start an organization that's going to back and support regional promotions 
in a point of because regional promotions don't have the contents or the resources to attract major sponsors, to attract major television deals. So in order to do that, they figured we're going to put this corporation together that's going to take a group of regional promotions and support them and give them a platform and the resources to promote at another level. And at the same time, to, to elevate the fighters and create a platform for their fighters to fight at another level. Whether they get that phone call to the UFC or Bellator or World Series or not, they're still fighting on a very high level, uh, uh, very good venues, and, and, and that's what Alliance MMA did. It went out and it, 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 it became a publicly traded company, and the mission was to get together with regional promotions. And right now they've got, they've got seven uh, promotions under the umbrella. They've got CFFC, which is in Jersey. They've got Shogun, which is in Baltimore, V3, which is in Tennessee. They've got Combat, which is in Seattle, Washington. Hoosier Fight Club, which is in Indiana, IT or, or, or Iron Tiger with Scott Shealy, uh, which is out of Ohio, uh, and, and they got uh, Howard Davis Fight Club out of Florida. So they've got the entire U.S. covered with regional promotions. They just brought on Sucker Punch uh, and Cage Tickets. And what I do for them as Director of Fighter Relations I travel to each one of the promotions as they promote an event. I'll go to the event, and I'll sit and I'll look at how they run the event operationally, especially, specifically backstage and how they work with the fighters in the way in. I'll come back and I'll, write, I'll critique and evaluate and send them an evaluation. And at the end of it, then I send them a letter on some of the things that I saw that possibly needed or suggested now these are guys that have been promoting so you're not looking to reinvent the wheel just put a little air in the tire you know what i mean yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i go to these promotions and they have me go around to all the promotions and we're in the process now of putting together a standard operational procedure event protocol for all promotions under the alliance banner and i'm responsible for making sure that everybody does everything with continuity and consistently across the board. And so I, I, I've got, I'm, I'm a, a little, little busy right now. Cause I'm, uh, you know, I'm about to go to Seattle for the combat games up in Seattle. Uh, we got some other companies that they're bringing on and they're just, I mean, they just hired a new, uh, CMO, the chief marketing officer, uh, Jim Burns, uh, who also was with the UFC in that same, capacity you know so they're they're i mean they're rolling baby <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh you know and i'm having a, and i'm having a good time that's alliance mma baby alliance all MMA. night long and and birth since since um your departure in the ufc we've had many departures we've had like stitch the cut man we've had mike goldberg we've had the head of yeah. uh, fight pass i mean there's just a lot of lot of departures do you keep your do you keep your eye on the product now or I mean, what's with all the changes? Well, uh, it's, you know, I've seen and I've heard all the changes and, you know, the people that, that are, are, are losing, you know, that, that, that are getting fired or let go or for whatever reason. And that's never good. 
that's never a good situation for somebody to lose a job or to get replaced. Uh, but, you know, change is change. And when you get a company that has gone on to become a $4.2 billion corporation, there are going to be changes, and when people start making those kind of changements, then they're going to bring on their own people, and then they're going to do the things that they feel they need to do to get to another level or to recoup, you know, they got to recoup some things. Uh, but it, it, it's not a good situation to see the guys or people who that, that have gone through the times, you know, I spent 14 and a half years with them. Uh, Mike Goldberg, I think he did 18 yeah. or so. Yeah. Stitch, uh, you know, it, it's it's never good to see that kind of thing uh, with those people and that happening. You know, uh, I'm just kind of blessed that, well, I'm, I, when I say blessed, to the fact that that I didn't stay around too long. You know, sometimes fighters tend to stay around and fight longer than they should. Yeah, I'm glad I I'm glad I heard that bell. Okay, <laughs> because, <laughs> because you know, you know, when they make those changes, you know, and and they showed from where they were making changes, they made changes all over the board, from the top, in the middle, in the bottom. I think the last the last uh, cutback they cut back forty. I think it was 40 people or so. So yeah. that's not good, but that's what it is when businesses change, times, they progress, they get bigger, and they change hands. That is the cost of doing business, baby. Yeah. Bort, have you ever considered or are you considering putting your kind of your history, your career, your, your all the stories from over the road into a book or – Anything like that? Have you ever have you ever got any intentions well, to do that? It it it, it has it, it was in the works and 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 when I left uh, the UFC and started just kind of I just kind of let things go for a minute. Then it kind of slowed down because it lost a luster because there was no real end. But now you know it's been two years. This February will be two years. Uh, which I don't know where the heck those two years went that quickly. Quickest two but years ever. But it's been two years. And you know what's... It, and people have not forgotten, man. I'm sitting here with you guys 20, 20 days away from the date that that, 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 that happened. And uh, two years ago, and it's, and it's still relevant, you know, which, man, uh, you know, I'm... I'm overwhelmed with that and that kind of situation. Uh, and, you know, there's more chapters right now to put in there because now I'm working with a group of younger younger fighters and fighters that are, are hungry and looking to get to the next level and, you know, a new promotion company that's very aggressive and, you know, has, has, has got seven or eight other regional promotions under it and a group of young people. Man, Shoot, I can, I can start that book all over again, baby. <laughs> but um, Irish Irish kind of fans of MMA would have um, seen you in the, I suppose it was a homegrown documentary made about Conor McGregor. Um, Conor's getting ready for the fight, and they just you just appear and you're you're like, 
we roll them, baby. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so that, that you were kind of you're 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 very relevant in Ireland. Um, wow. The last. I, the, I, you know what? I didn't. I didn't know. You know, the only thing that I, I, I someone showed me a clip, and I just actually I don't know if you guys ever follow me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, we do. But if if, if I put a picture on Twitter or Facebook, one of the two, I put out recently uh, of a picture that, 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 that I had with Connor in, in his first fight in Boston with no tattoos. You know, me and Connor standing <laughs> at the scale. And I think he fought Dennis Seaver in that fight. That's right, he did, yeah. I think that was Dennis Seaver. But there was someone showed me a video of Connor, and I don't know whether we just met, <clears throat> but he had just walked out of the room where he was meeting me. And... Out of his mouth, he said, man, what a legend. That guy's an effing legend. I said, wow. I had no idea, but, you know, I'm, man, it, it's, I am very, very proud of the legacy that I left with people. I'm very proud of the fact that, that when I touched or who I touched, I didn't touch them wrong because people are still remembering it. And still speaking on it. And, you know, that's a real good feeling, man. That's a real good feeling. Because it also tells me, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad and a grand a grandfather. You know, and yeah. there's nothing, I mean, my kids and my family and my mom, you know, and my wife and all. I mean, that that's, there's no more to life to me than those. And, you know, I, I see what I get from them. So, man, you know. To hear that from Connor or anybody, George, St. Pierre, or Anderson Silva, or, you know, I, I got on the phone, somebody FaceTimed me from the last fight in Brazil, and there were three Brazilian fighters that couldn't speak English, but I knew what the hell they were saying, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, we, we've only been speaking to you for an hour, and um, to be honest, um, it's no wonder you're held at such high esteem and the, infe- the affection that the fighters had for you. Which was testament to yourself when when you and the UFC kind of parted ways and the out, outpouring of emotion that the fighters were just absolutely going mad that that this decision had been made. So look, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I swear it's been it's, it's been such a good laugh. Well, I appreciate you guys, and, and, and I'm glad we did it. And uh, you know. Whenever you guys need me, you holler at me, baby. I'm here and I'm ready to go. And, and I'll tell you something. When I know I'm ready for that next chapter, you guys are going to be one of the guys I'm going to reach out to to put it out for me, baby. Absolutely. Hey, anytime, board. Anytime you need it, you know where to give us a call. Um, you need to finish just, up with a re-rolling. That's it. Um, before we let you go and we, uh-huh. ro- and we roll off, um, if people aren't already following you on Twitter, it's at Bert Watson for real. Bert Watson for real, baby. On Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, all of it. It's Bert Watson, the number four real. Bert Watson for real, baby. Because <laughs> that's what I do and why I do it, baby, all night long. And you know what? It's time to go to work, baby. And when it's time to go to work, you know what that means when it's time to go to work? We roll it! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> All night long.
Ward Watson, Amazing. thank you so much for joining us, man. It has been a true pleasure speaking to you today. Yeah, all night long. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Ward. Ward. Brilliant. What an absolute hero, man. What an absolute hero. Man. That was deadly, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm buzzing. Like, what a bloke. Like. I was blowing his arse at the, at the oh, end. You were, but as well worth it. Like, yeah, he's I don't just care. Absolute gent. Absolute, like, I mean, like, one of the nicest people in the world yeah. ever. His stories are amazing. Like, I mean, he's... But he's, e- he's emailing us all the time about coming on. Not, like, we obviously requested yeah, it. Yeah, we obviously got in touch but, with him. And but like, he gets hey, back to us as like, quick l- as we hit send. Light and quick, yeah. And he rang you this evening. Yeah, like, normally speaking, we'd set a time with somebody and then we'd be like, okay, cool. And then that time would come. Then we're sweating that they, um, we're, they we're let us down. We're sweating and panicking. And usually, like, we'll see them pop up online on Skype and we'll message them being like, hey, is it okay to give you a call? <laughs> be really polite about it, you know what I mean? Ten minutes before we're meant to start recording, and both rings us to be like I'm ready when you are I'm ready let's and get like, this going baby he was buzzing like I mean he was like I am ready and we were like alright Bort let's do it man let's do yeah. it it's class it was um, absolute gent and I mean look he may not have like you know boxed in the ring or fought in the octagon but his contribution to the sport to the sports boxing MMA his friendship with Joe oh, Frazier unreal unbelievable a true true legend and an absolute pleasure getting to speak to him because we might have done a, a lot recently of boxing pro wrestling MMA but yeah. sure look that's how it goes yeah look we <laughs> we, like, we put out requests all the time and exactly people from those communities are the ones to get back to us quickest you know? um, so sorry if people it, are yeah. fed up like we're not we're not claiming to be an MMA podcast there, there's plenty of good MMA podcasts out there we're not claiming to be a boxing podcast. I don't know of any boxing podcasts out there. We're not. <laughs> there yeah, probably yeah. is loads. I just don't listen to them. Do no, you know what I mean? I don't listen to them either. But obviously, look, if you're looking for MMA, you're going to go like MMA Hour. You're going to go, obviously, Fight Talk. You're obviously going to go to other. You're going to go to Severe MMA. You're going to go to Talking Brawls with our mate Pizzi. Pizzi, Carol. Friend of the show. Northsider extraordinaire. Up Blanche. Up the Blanche. But uh, yeah, yeah, look, they're the type of people you're going to go to. Me and Mero are just two fans who are fortunate enough to have got to speak to people who we never thought we'd get to speak to. Yeah, but you sometimes, uh, like, you might wake up on a Sunday yeah. and you've nothing to do for two hours and you'll just throw out emails to everybody. Is that correct? Kind of, I do. Yeah. I and do. then you just tell me, oh, so-and-so said, yeah, and I'm like, what the... I do a little bit of fishing, I do a little bit of research, and I kind of try to find the best way of, of getting in contact. I'm not giving away our methods. <laughs> Don't give away our methods. Anyway, look, what we're saying is, we're not a wrestling podcast, we're not a boxing podcast, we're not an MMA podcast, we're just a podcast. It's just us. And a fucking good one at that. Two-time podcast of the year winner. Podcast champs, baby. Back to back. Will we go? I think we're going to have to, yeah. Bert was class. Bert was amazing. Hey, Bert. Hebert. Um at Bert Watson for real everywhere and anywhere. Much like if you search WTS Pod, you will find us anywhere and everywhere. At WTS Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland. Snapchat, I'm at Dan John Murray. Dan I'm, John Murray. I'm at Merrigan Mania. Merrigan Mania. Everywhere, anywhere. Yep. Check out the podcast on Podbean, on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Podcast Attic, Podcast Republic, anywhere. And everywhere, check out WTS Pod and don't forget FitzpatrickCastle.com. Fantastic venue, fantastic food, everything about it is magnificent. Much like Graham Merrigan's beard. 
which I'm going to say goodbye to. And until next week, Merlo. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet, man. Too sweet. <laughs>